You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Blue Sky Missions. Whether you're an individual seeking to go on a missions trip or a church leader wanting to take your group, Blue Sky can make it happen. Learn more today at blueskymissions.org. You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Welcome back to the podcast. Glad to have you. Episode 3 today. And we will be talking about why are there so many translations of the Bible? A question that I get quite frequently. People ask me, Kenny, so many different versions of the Bible out there. Why? I don't understand. I thought there's only one Bible. Why are there so many? Great question. Let me answer that. I'm going to give you a bunch of nerdy information and data about Bible translations and try to help break it down. But before I do that, I want to make a statement very clear. And this this is going to get me in trouble with some people that are going to be a little more a little more fundamentalistic. Um, I apologize if I offend you. That's not my goal. But I'm just trying to make a very clear statement. When people ask me, what Bible is the best Bible I should read? And here's what I tell them. Whichever one you're going to read and obey, that's the Bible you should read. It doesn't make sense to read some Bible translation if you don't understand it and you're not capable of grasping the concepts in that Bible. And it's even more useless to read that Bible translation if you're not going to actually listen to what it says. So, before we talk about Bible translation, let me make it clear. You should read whatever Bible translation you can understand and whichever one you intend to actually obey and live by. The Bible is awesome. It's one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given humanity. Read it. Study it. Obey it. Okay? Alright, now let's get into the nerdy stuff. I want to make it very clear. Yes, the Bible was written, I believe, by God only once in one way. There are 66 books of the Bible, uh, and they are breaking into two testaments, right? Most most of you probably know this already. Old Testament, New Testament. The Old Testament was mostly written in Hebrew, and there are portions of it written in Aramaic. Um, and the entire New Testament was written in Coined Greek is a, a particular type of Greek from the first century. Now, when you are translating words from those languages to today, you run into a lot of difficulty. Um, it is extremely hard to translate words from one language to another. There are so many nuances within languages that make it hard to translate. There are so many cultural elements that make it hard to translate from language to language. It makes it even harder when you're going from an ancient culture to a contemporary culture, right? So there are things that happened in the first century, you know, 2,000 years ago, that we don't really know about or we don't really understand. But those things influence the language. And therefore, when you're trying to translate them today, you could potentially miss some elements or there, there are things where there could be some confusion. And so what happens is people, uh, scholars, 
and historians and uh, linguistics experts, they are taking the Old Testament and the New Testament written in their original languages, and we do have those today. Uh, I will cover in a future episode how we know for sure that the Bible has not changed over time. Okay, so we we have those those manuscripts written by the original people. Um, we don't have the actual original ones. They actually, you know, the actual parchment the Apostle Paul wrote on. But we know for sure what he wrote. We have the original words that have been preserved until today. And now we have them in a different language from a different culture, and we we anticipate translating them. And we end up having a lot of passages where it's not a hundred percent clear how to translate it. So it ends up ha what ends up happening is is having different opinions as to how to translate those exact words. And typically how translations work is you have a group of people, right? In, in some cases, you have like 50 or 60 people, and they're all in one big room, and they're all arguing as to how to translate the scripture into English, and they are working hard together to come up with the best and most adequate translation they can come up with, right? However, if you have different groups of people, you may end up with slightly different words, and that's why we have different translations of the Bible today. Uh, let me give you a contemporary example, just to kind of help break down the linguistics problem that people run into. Um, I am proficient in Spanish. If someone came to me and said, Kenny, I want to translate uh, a, a sentence from Spanish to English, and they give me this sentence in Spanish. Me gusta hamburguesas. Okay. Now, for those of you who speak Spanish, know what that meant. For those of you who don't, and you like to eat food like I do, you can probably figure out what that sentence meant. Me gusta hamburguesas would often be translated as, I like hamburgers. That would be an accurate interpretation of what was given, what was said. Me gusta hamburguesas. That person likes hamburgers. However, that's not precisely what was said. Exactly what was said is this. Me gusta literally means... To me, it is pleasing, or unto me, it gives me pleasure. And then, hamburguesas is hamburgers. So if someone says, me gusta hamburguesas, the precise translation should be, to me, it is pleasing hamburgers, or unto me, it gives me pleasure hamburgers. Okay, but if someone were to talk like that in English, you would think, is that Yoda? Like, what are you talking about, dude? That doesn't make sense, right? So... Now the interpreter or the translator must take the liberty to change the words, otherwise it doesn't make sense in the language in which he is interpreting it into. Right. So if I'm translating and someone says, me gusta hamburguesas, I'm not going to translate, to me it is pleasing hamburgers. That doesn't make sense in English. If someone says, me gusta hamburguesas, I'm going to say, I like hamburgers, because that is an accurate portrayal of what they are trying to communicate. It is not exactly the words that they stated, right? I've taken it upon myself to change the words, but it is an accurate portrayal of what they are trying to communicate outwardly. And, and that's what happens with Bible translators. They have these words, these, these, these phrases and concepts in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, and they're trying to translate it into English, and it's very difficult. So if it's difficult to do it from Spanish to English, can you imagine how difficult it is to do it from coin Greek written in the first century to modern day English? It's an extremely, extremely difficult task.
for, for translators to take. Um, but that's why they all do it. There's, you have scholars that really know what they're talking about, that know the languages. They all get in the room to determine which are the best ways to translate it. That's why you can trust that a lot of our English translations have quality translation work done because there's a, a large group of people that are very intelligent and well educated that are that are working together to kind of determine what is the best and most consistent and most accurate way to translate it into English and what what we have in English is is not perfect there's no perfect English translation but but my gosh we've got several that are really 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 good and really trustworthy in a future episode, I plan to kind of go over some of the different translations and which ones I like, which ones I don't, uh, which ones I trust more than others. Uh, but I hope that uh, this answers the question as to why they are so many of them out there and hope that this was helpful to you. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. I am so grateful for you. If you'd like to connect with me, the best way to do so is on Twitter. You can find me at Kenneth Ortiz. That's spelled K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z, at Kenneth Ortiz. Or go to our website, theologyfortherestofus.com. That will forward you on to the page with all of our contact info. Our intro and outro theme music has been I'm Shipping Up to Boston by the Dropkick Murphys. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this is Theology for the Rest of Us.